because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. The Green Room is brought to you today by Amazon. Click the Amazon link on SeanTGreen.com to support The Green Room today. And now, live from Silver Lake, California, the host of The Green Room, Sean. Welcome, everybody, to The Green Room with Sean Green, presented by 24-7 Comedy. We're doing it live here on SeanTGreen.com. Sponsor is, of course, Amazon. You go to SeanTGreen.com, hit the Amazon banner, and you get all the uh, amazing online retail. I'm not going to – every week I'm just like, what does Amazon not have? I can't find it. It's all there. Man, what an amazing podcast. I'd like to welcome on my uh, wingman for the episode, Mr. Justin Decker. Justin, what's happening? Yo, what's going on? Yo, just watching <laughs> football today, hanging out, living it up. I like that. Very, very succinct. You don't introduce yourself. You just introduce your day. Just go, hey, what's going on? Re- slight recap of my day. And, of course, our special guest for the podcast, Mr. Scott Lure. Scotty, what's up, bro? What's up, party people? Good to be here. Yes. Partying. We're uh, Sunday night. <clears throat> I'll speak for myself, done a ton of day drinking, Eagles lost, but just watching a lot of football in general and uh, just cracking some beers. You get an early start on the West Coast, uh, kickoff is uh, 1 o'clock on the East Coast, so 10 a.m. rolls around, football's going on, you feel justified in uh, drinking some beers, you open it up, get things loose, and uh, you know by the time Sunday evening rolls around, you're ready to podcast. You know, Sean, I uh, work as a daytime bartender, I was there today. <laughs> And I uh, don't really watch football, so I put it on CNN when I got there. Yeah. A couple people showed up. They're like, hey, can you turn the game on? I'm like, no. <laughs> I just throwing the fuck off. <laughs> See, now you're kind of my nemesis in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, not personally. Uh, I think you're a good guy. But I've been to a lot of bars, and I feel like on Sunday nights or Monday nights or Thursday nights especially, I'm going out for the most part doing stand-up hanging out at gigs at bars, also trying to keep an eye on the game. And you always have to ask the bartender that move, like, hey, can you uh, put the game on? And then they always get really annoyed at it. But my thing is, like, hey, dude, I'm hanging out here. I'm getting drunk. Listen, if you put the game on, either A, it's going to go really well, and I'm going to celebrate by drinking more beers, or B, I'm going to get really bummed out, and I'm going to have to, you know, make things better by getting really drunk. So I feel like... It's a win-win for the bartender. That's why people are in the bars, right? To, to watch sports. What else, what else goes on? I don't know. I guess hanging out, uh, brunch crowd. Uh, Scott, what, what's the okay. general ambiance of the bar uh, you tend at? Uh, well, I, I work daytime, so it's a little bit different. It's mostly uh, people just like having responsible lunches, not getting <laughs> fucked up. But then there's like a few special characters that will come in and slam like four jalapeno margaritas. And they're going to go back to their Oprah Winfrey drum. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, to me, that was always kind of, um, as far as comedy, having a day job, daytime bartender seems like the dream gig. You show up, you get a couple of regulars. Hey, guys coming in for the lunch. Oh, hey, it's just a Friday. I'll have a cocktail. Mm. Then you have your regulars. Like, like you said, there's a couple of uh, characters. What's, has daytime bartending, what's the drunkest someone's gotten? Well, like, probably the drunkest, and I don't even know if he was drunk. He was probably on drugs as well, and he didn't even have a drink at my uh, bar. <laughs> it was just, like, a few, like, a, probably like a month ago, this dude walked in, and he was, like, hammered. It was, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, and he's like, hey, man, what city are we in? <laughs> I was like, uh, well, we're in Los Angeles. And then he was just like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then he walked out the door. 
<laughs> I honestly wonder what could what answer you could have given the guy where he would have been like, "Sweet, yeah. everything's going according to plan." So Pika, all right, <laughs> I'll stick around. I'll give it. I'll give it a whirl. Now, um, how did you? Uh, I've talked about my DUI on the podcast. How did you end up uh, getting over here? Did you? Oh uh, well, my like uh, I don't drive now, not because of DUI. I did get a uh, pretty fantastic DUI, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> I drive now out of just like not being able to take care of my life. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't <laughs> drive now for that reason. But uh, no, I took a, a series of buses and trains, and uh, maybe about a mile and a quarter walking. As well. Oh, okay, it was cool. well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it only took like an hour and a half. It was cool. Yeah, appreciate you coming out. Yeah, no, I know what it's like. Uh, Doing the old metro commute in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I finally got my license back, so I'm pretty stoked. Do you have a car, too? No, I don't have a car, mm-hmm. but uh, the girl I'm dating, Tess, fellow comedian, uh, has a car. So I get to drive that sometimes now because nice. got my license back. Mm-hmm. Just kind of feel on top of the world. There was a sense the first time I got behind the wheel. like It, it kind of felt like when you were 16, just because I haven't mm-hmm. driven a car in a while because I had a DUI. And... Same type of thing, like not having your life together where I probably could have got my license back, mm-hmm. but if you don't have access to a car, what do you kind of – and you have to uh, – in California, you have to get insurance even if you don't have a car because it's this SR-22, oh, this DUI, DUI liability, yeah. oh, that whole thing. So I finally got a car. And, yeah, man, it felt great. I immediately got behind the wheel. Shit you not, six minutes after I left the DMV parking lot, already honking at people, texting on my phone. I was like, it's good to be back. Wait, what do you – like, when you get your license back, what does that mean? Don't you just – doesn't the thing just expire and you – Well, no, out? they still physically have my license somewhere, and I guess they're going to either mail me a new card or whatever, but they gave me a printed-out sheet that said, uh, hey, basically you have your license, kind of a temporary license – Oh, and the crazy part was I lined up a job interview right after right after I was supposed to get my new license. So I'm kind of trying to coordinate this. The time is crunching, and I'm sitting there at the Pasadena, uh, Pasadena DMV, and the, guy, the guy's just sitting there like he's really cool and chill and seems like all my paperwork's going to go through. But he's also just spending a lot of time talking to the guy next to him in the DMV cubicle and spending a lot of time. And I just – there's a reason there's plexiglass at the DMV office, what, liquor store pl- – plexiglass dmv plexiglass because you just immediately want to reach through grab him go no make this happen now i'm trying to get out of here you know i was uh driving though a couple months back yeah i had one month you got a car and it lasted a month yeah you know i have been living my my old car broke down like three years ago and i sold it for for parts or whatever yeah and then uh had some money saved, and I was like, maybe I'll buy a new car. Or maybe yeah, I'll get- no, there was a, uh, yeah. I remember cocky mm. Scott Lures yeah. around the L.A. comedy scene uh-huh. just going, man, once I get my car, yeah. I would just be chilling, smoking a butt, going, hey, I'm out of this open mic. I don't have to wait for a ride or a bus. That's true. That was my favorite part about it. But, yeah, it took me a, uh, it took me three years. You know, I scrimped and saved and got $1,000 together. Because, <laughs> like, I just can't save, man. I just, like, I could save for a car or I could get fucked up tonight. That's, yeah. like, usually my process. Well, yeah. especially bartender, mm. it's all cash. It's tough to kind yeah. of scroll out of the way because you feel mm. like uh, you got needs. I got a lot of needs. <laughs> but I finally bought a, uh, bought a car off my buddy Steve Hernandez. Uh, and a uh, month later, the engine fell out of that car. Literally? Uh, well, like parts of it. 
Literally. Just dropped right at. Were you yeah. driving? I was driving, uh, and then like I was driving home from a party, and actually uh, I was pretty drunk. <laughs> Did not learn my lesson. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was driving, and then all of a sudden, like the car started like smoking. I was like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> Pull off, throw some oil in that bitch. Get it home, and then I just wake up the next day. I'm like, everything's probably cool. Drive it to work. It's like the same fucking thing. So no, I had to get rid of it, and now I'm just back like. That did more damage to me than any woman ever has. Because <laughs> you're like, hey, I'm back in the car game. Yeah. I'm ready to take on a vehicle. I'm ready mm-hmm. to learn to love again the ability to drive a car. Yeah, after three years of being a complete loser. If you, <laughs> if you live in Los Angeles without a car, everyone knows you're a loser. Like They don't think it. They know. They absolutely know. There is a lot of shame. Yeah. Well, you can't really hide it, dude. And yeah. you can't like ask out a girl. Like you can't. It's just like you you want to take the rapid like. Yeah. They don't want to get on the bus with you now. But you, mm-hmm. hey, you're yeah. doing all right for yourself now, though. Right, exactly. Huh? I'm gonna no, I'm gonna pick up uh, Justin's mm. question. You seem to have uh, done all right for yourself. Yeah, landed myself a gal. Um, oh, is this uh, more recent? I uh, no, I've been like dating a young lady since April. And, oh, okay. Uh, a month or two ago, I was like, oh yeah, no, I should actually like be serious <laughs> about this uh yeah she's a babe she, yeah she is she's babe. babe she's pretty funny she's not a comedian which rules and that's uh, a, it's always good yeah but she she has a car and she keeps offering to let me borrow it and stuff but um she's like six years younger than me oh okay. and like her credit score is probably triple mine <laughs> and like her head is on straight and i just i feel like too much of a loser to borrow that car i really it would you help me like, so much but i just can't do it you feel like a cancer and you're worried about mm-hmm. hey if i start borrowing this car it's gonna lead to bad things but scott yeah, Learn to love again. Don't be yeah, afraid, man. Get behind that wheel. Yeah, you know, come even on. for that one month I was driving, though, like I was freaking out because um, I hadn't driven in three years, and when I used to drive, I used to drive stoned all the time. So I was like, I'll just do that again. But <laughs> when you're out of the game for three years, like yeah. you kind of don't know what you're doing when you get back behind the car. And I had some pretty crazy uh, drives on the 405, like two stoned. Like, should I pull over? No, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is a point. Um, Generally, it seems like if you're high, it's preferable, I guess, bef- ahead of getting drunk. I guess if you had to choose one of the two, obviously you shouldn't drive fucked up. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, towing the company line of just not, sure. not you know, there's a liability issue. I don't want someone listening to this podcast <laughs> and getting super baked and just driving behind the wheel in the oncoming traffic. But, yeah, no, generally, like, what's uh, what's the joke? Like, uh, what's the difference between a stone driver and a drunk driver? Drunk driver drives through a stop sign. Stone driver waits for it to turn green. Mm. So, mm. yeah, the idea is, like, eh, if you're high, you're not really that fucked up. It actually feels like uh, you have carte blanche in L.A. to drive high. Like, I see people smoking, like, in their cars constantly. It, well, and you're from, mm-hmm. uh, you're originally from the East Coast, right? Dude, I'm from New Jersey, and that shit does not fly there. No. I had a, uh, <laughs> my buddy, uh, his, his little brother got arrested for having a Coke can with resin in it. Oh, Oh, Scott, mm. yeah, uh, you want to talk about resin or S? I got two under my belt. Oh. Two strictly oh, off shit. of resin for mm. weed. One when I was 17, one when I was 18. Uh, one was 18 when I was in the dorm at Penn State. Apparently they didn't have bigger fish to fry. They just had to come down on old Sean Green. The other one was when I was 17. I was going to a party, went to a party, did the – I. this was the crazy part. I was not drunk at all, nothing, whatever, drove home. Saw a cop, had someone else pulled over, and granted, I should have just went a different way uh, and, you know, waited the last second and kind of juked out the cop that had someone else pulled over. 
I get pulled over myself, and yeah, I got arrested strictly just because I had a weed pipe with a little bit of resin. Yeah. You tell that to people in California, they're like, boy, you weren't some you weren't connected to the Mexican cartel. Like, why yeah. did they arrest you? In, yeah, in California, it's like they violated your rights, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's like, hey, you're a victim. Mm-hmm. But in Pennsylvania, on the East Coast, mm-hmm. uh, marijuana, they just throw that in there with serious drugs. And they're kind of just out to bust your balls. And they throw in weed as just another thing of like, hey, you got weed on you. You look high, mm-hmm. whatever. We're going to take you down. Were you, uh, were you, did you smoke in the dorm rooms? Yeah, no, well, uh, yeah, we used to smoke. Remember you put the towel down in between yes, the doors? Yeah. To, it never worked. It went through the vents. You get the you toilet paper, totally too, with the Febreze thing on the end yes, of it, like a exactly. dryer sheet. That was, yeah. that was the key. You got the mm-hmm. empty paper uh, towel roll, the cardboard thing, put a little Febreze sheet on it, and it snapped on a rubber band and just blew the smoke through that. Yeah, just blow going. it directly into the fan right out the window, right? Yeah. Well, how old were you guys when you started getting high? Um, probably. I was like 17, 18. Well, let's see. At uh, some point in high school, maybe sophomore year. What about yourself? Are you a late bloomer when it yeah, comes man. to getting messed up? Uh, I've been a late bloomer with everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't smoke pot till, um I was, like, at least 18, maybe 19. I remember it was, oh, like, Oh, wow, a, you're a huge nerd. Well, I was, grew up in Christian school my whole life. Oh, yes. I had that. Uh, you went to Christian college, didn't you? I went, yeah, I went to Christian college. That's where I found out about pot and how, <laughs> and how great it was. Uh, but yeah, we had a specific night. It was going to be Marijuana Monday. And there was like 10 fucking dumbass 18-year-old dudes. And we all got in someone's bathroom. And we all smoked this thing. And then like one of the older guys was like, You're gonna, your third eye is going to open, man. <laughs> and it uh, fucking did. Dude, it opened right up. <laughs> dude, I remember the first time I tried to get high. Like everyone, was, everyone smoked weed that I was hanging out with. Mm-hmm. And so I felt so much pressure to like feel high. Because they looked at me like, Are you high, dude? Are you doing it right? Are you high? And I was like... I pretended like I was high, but like I didn't know what being high was. So I was just like, whoa, man. I must have looked like a fucking idiot. I was like, dude, what? We were like throwing the frisbee. I was like, I can't see it. I was like, Wait, acting quick, like a total quick, asshole. Quick, quick sidebar, Justin. You have a great anecdote about um, you getting messed up going to a frat party. Oh, yeah. Frat. Take us through that because this story okay. always cracks me up to no end. Uh, already drunk, we're going to a frat party, someone had, uh, ecstasy. Yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just take the ecstasy. (laughs) And then we went to a frat party, and, like, I didn't know, like, you know, you're supposed to be around other people who are on ecstasy. And, uh, we were just, like, I wasn't in the frat, I didn't know the guys. Yeah. And uh, I I was just, like, amazingly happy. I just remember uh, playing foosball. And just like giving people high fives, and I was having such a good time. <laughs> and then, out of literally out of nowhere, I just didn't understand the vibe of the room. And uh, a guy just punches me in the side of the head, throws me outside. Uh, this is at San Diego State in uh, Fraternity Row. And then, like, they kicked me in the face, dude. I was just on E, like, what? <laughs> You can't just do that to somebody when they're like having a time of their life. I can't imagine getting beat down uh, while high on ecstasy because ecstasy is yeah, it's ecstasy. You feel great. You feel you really absolutely amazing. sober up, but yeah, it's just like that were you, switch. Were you doing anything that like would have gotten you in trouble, dude? The, the th- I had no idea. People told me the next day I was just way happy, and it, it just 
pissed them <laughs> off, dude. It was annoying everybody. It was annoying everybody. I just love yeah. the story of you, High on Ecstasy, being uh, really into foosball, giving too many high fives to the point yeah. that they're like, yo, we got to fuck this guy up. I don't remember what I said. So, Maybe I said something. But it wasn't bad. It, it must have been good, but taken the wrong way. So you couldn't – you had no capacity to fight back or anything, right? No, there was just three You're dudes. You are just glad and, someone yeah. was touching you. Yeah, they were just like, like you what? sober up real quick. I was like, I'm, yeah, this is bad. Dude, I, had, I got uh, beat down by like six Nazis one time. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, now, uh, Scott, where did this happen? This happened in lovely Glendora, California. Uh, it's by the by the Chatterbox. You okay, yeah, area. Chatterbox. Okay. So um, I went to college like up the street from the Chatterbox. Say a uh, bar. What's the area? Uh, that's Covina. Covina. That's Covina. Covina. That is Covina. Yeah, just outside of Los Angeles. Uh, mm. Steve and uh, Scott run a cool uh, comedy show out there. Good times. Great crowd over there. Yeah, it's a fun show. But it's always weird for me because uh, like five miles up the street is my Christian college that I went to. So yes. it's always sort of like looming over me as I like blaspheme on stage and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we, I used to live in this town called Glendora, which is like maybe like 10 minutes north of Covina. And Covina is like a shitty town. You know, it looks like a shitty town. Yeah. Glendora looks like, like the nicest suburb on the East Coast you've ever seen. Like somehow it looks East Coast. There's a few towns out here that pull that off, like Claremont and like this town. They look like it's an East Coast town. And that whole town is like just super rich, like racist white dudes. Yeah. And uh, we were at a uh, local watering hole. We used to go to the Continental. Now, uh, real quick, how old were you? Uh, 21. 21. Yeah, okay, like so 21. you're going to college still? Like senior year, yeah. It's like our last year. Actually, it was my last year, yeah. And uh, we used to go to this like really shitty bar in Glendora because the drinks were cheap. There was like a 90-year-old bartender who had poor Long Islands real strong. And uh, we see this cr- crew of dudes, and they're like all shaved head, like... Like, just rich, like, white kids, though. So, like, you can't take them seriously. Like, at that time, I didn't take them seriously. <laughs> yeah. And we're just all getting fucked up. And we have, like, one Asian chick with us or something. <laughs> and, like, I like starting bar chants. That's, like, one of my things. <laughs> and these guys really like starting ones, too. But theirs are, like, really intimidating bar chants. So they got up and just started circling around our table and yelling shit, like, we run this town. We run this town. And we're, I was, like... I was super drunk, so I was like, oh, yeah, you run Glendora? <laughs> yeah, like, big deal. So and, when you uh, come back, yeah, they so, appreciate it. Yeah, but then we go to leave, and, like, a bunch of them are standing outside my car. One of them's holding a baseball bat. <laughs> what? Dude, it is, like, crazy, like, crazy shit. And I get in my car, uh, like, just kind of go around them. They're, like, talking shit. Get in my car. Start the car. Start trying to put it in reverse. The guy with the bat standing right behind my car. So I just start backing up. <laughs> I'm like, he's not going to fucking move. And then he comes yeah. around the side and he's like, you trying to hit me, man? You trying to run me over? I'm like, no, I'm just trying to leave. And I also am wasted. <laughs> but my window's down and he punches me in the face through the window. Whoa. Like, Fuck. So I just drive off and go home. Oh. <laughs> well, the problem was one of them lived caddy corner across the street from where we were running our house. What? They knew where we lived. This is like a super small, like, shitty yeah. town. So they come rolling over. I'd already passed out. I'm like blackout drunk. Yeah. I'm passed out. You're like, all right, some guy punched mm-hmm. me in the face. I'm at a bar. I'm drunk. Yeah, I'm gone. I got away. Mm-hmm. It, you know, yeah, the guy punched me in the face. Mm-hmm. Okay, whatever. I'm drunk. Yeah. Uh, just pass out of my I place. I get home. I hit a bong. I throw some Zeppelin on. <laughs> I go to sleep. You, know? you still had enough yeah. energy yeah. to, like, well, smoke some weed and listen to some yeah. Zeppelin. You got to. Yeah. But then, like, <laughs> 20 minutes into my blackout drunk sleep that I was 11, uh, my, my roommate at the time, Rusty, who I think you know, he uh, yeah. did Rusty is, uh, yeah, he's done a couple of flyers for my yeah. shows. Very talented <clears throat> artist. He was my roommate the whole time, and uh, he comes in and starts waking me up. And he's like, you got to come out here. 
was like, why? He's like, the Nazis are here. <laughs> and uh, they want the you to apologize. <laughs> so I'm like so fucked up. And I walk out to the patio and I see that they've, A, bashed all the windows in on all of our cars. And then, uh, B, they've smashed like the, uh, the bay window, like in a front yard. I'm like, oh, this is fucked up. All my roommates are being held down by other Nazis. Oh, and my I just God. Like, I go out there. And the big one, he's like the biggest dude. He comes up to me. He's like, "Why don't you apologize for trying to run me over?" And I'm like, "Uh, I'm like so drunk. I didn't want to say it." I'm like, "Oh, okay, man. I'm sorry." He's like, "No, I want you to kiss my boot." And I'm like, "There's no way I'm gonna do that." (laughs) I've seen enough movies. This is a trick. I'm gonna get my face kicked in. So I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." And then he just starts beating my face in. Uh, wow! Yeah, and it went Whoa. on for like maybe like a minute or two of him just punching me and all my roommates being held down, and then the cops showed up. Oh my god! Yeah. Jesus! And, all right, so were they gonna were they gonna keep beating you? Like the cops came up and that's what stopped like, it? I don't know. Like you can never tell because you think these guys are like <laughs> fake pussies, but yeah. then like they are beating the shit out of you. <laughs> so like you I, guys uh, are posers. Yeah. Like I could never have imagined walking into that bar that this is how the night was going to turn out. Like, I just never even thought... Like, you see a white dude, you think you're chill... You, you, know, <laughs> you, you don't think anything's going to happen to you. Yeah, you think, okay, yeah. hey, push comes to shove, we're on the yeah. same side. Yeah, we're and I've never really it. been in a fight before. I was always going to be able to, like, talk my way out of it, like, joke my way out of it. Yeah, and not Scott... Not this time. <laughs> no, no offense, you're not a big guy. I mean, no. what are you... Wait- 150 pounds? 160? No, I mean, I'm husky, <laughs> but I'm not big. No. Yeah, I'm, uh, I weigh 150. I'm five foot six. Yeah, no, you're not like an intimidating dude. And No, not at you all. You talk shit about Glendora then. It must have been what it was. <laughs> I, man. I, I, I so know. So when the, when the cops show up, what, what happens? The guns so, drawn? How, how crazy no, does it get? Not guns, but also like this town is so small. Like, the cops know these kids and stuff. Oh, uh, wow. But so it's just like they don't really want to do anything. But then there is a cop who does want to do something, and he got them all on DUIs because oh. they had driven there drunk. Not me on a DUI, which I ended up picking up later. <laughs> like, dude, so, I got, yeah. I no got big beat deal. up. Don't give me a DUI. But uh, they gave him DUIs, and then one of them had pot in the car and, like, no uh, prescription or anything. So they gave him, <laughs> like, loophole. shit about that. We had to go to court, and, like, they pay, They had to pay for, like, our windows and everything. But, like, it went on. Like, there was, like, intimidate. Like, I worked at the round table down the street from there. Yeah. And the round dude that beat my place. ass, he would come in and order pizzas for me. Oh, yeah. And, and just, I like, just eye you down? What would he say? He'd just order a pizza. <laughs> he wouldn't even say anything else. He'd just stare me in the eye. And he had a handlebar mustache and all that shit. And he's, like, like a foot and, like, probably two inches taller than me. Now, did you ever think to do anything to that pizza? Or? No, fuck no, man. I, <laughs> you learned I, your I, lesson. No, and this is, that's, like, the most embarrassing thing is I didn't try and stand up for myself at all. I was just telling the story to my girlfriend the other day. And she asked the question. And she goes, well, did you try and fight back? <laughs> and I was like, no. And I was it's just a, like, I'm not a man. <laughs> that's a tough story to, to tell to the girlfriend, like... Yeah, I know. I just got my ass kicked. Yeah. Just tell her, dude, they were Nazis. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nazis. Now, were they – now, you say, you're saying they're Nazis. They had yeah, the they were like head all... shaved and what, a lot of tattoos? Yeah, and they were like repping white power and stuff. Now, you seem like a blonde hair, blue eye guy. Did they not understand the Nazi angle? Well, uh, I told you we had one Asian chick with us. <laughs> but but uh, also they were just like – that town is just like small and like these dudes just want to fight someone. Like, Wait, how bad were your injuries? Like – uh, my face was like pretty swollen for a few days. Like, oh, okay. like I didn't have anything broken, but I was just like fucking mangled. Uh, and Shit. I had n- nothing like that had ever happened to me before. My dad was like, he was like, I'll fly out. And I was like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Like, you're 58. You're going to fuck with these people. <laughs> They're going to tear you apart. Pops. <laughs> it was like, a, you know, the movie walking tall, your dad, 58 comes out. 
two by four, ready to take the town back. Let me go get some beers. You guys want some beers? Can I do that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do that. All right. I'll, I'll talk to uh... <laughs> Talk to Lord's man. Keep it going. Talk We're pros. Talk. We can right. handle this. Um, so now, Scott, you were talking mm. about uh, Christian college. And yeah. before that, you went to Christian high school, right? High school, middle school, elementary school. I was in public school, kindergarten, first grade, and then I got whisked away. So kindergarten, first grade. Mm-hmm. Now you're up in Jersey. Yeah. Seems like, what, normal suburb life? Kind yeah, of uh, you know, Jersey always gets, like, a shitty uh, rep, obviously. But, uh, no, I grew up in, like, farmland, like, central Jersey, right by the Pennsylvania border, 45 minutes from Philly, hour from New York City. Yeah, no, suburb. I mean, yeah. pretty close, uh, seemingly, mm-hmm. where I was at. Yeah, and I went to high school in Pennsylvania, actually, in Bucks oh, County. Okay. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Now, what was, uh, your, I, I'm guessing your parents were pretty religious? Yeah, my uh, my mom was super religious. And now then, is she is she still really religious? Yeah, I mean they like have chilled out a lot as they've gotten <laughs> older. But we grew up uh, Pentecostal Christian. I don't oh, know if okay. you know what that means. No, no. Uh, explain to the audience. Like, the way I try, I guess I describe it is like if you ever seen the Blues Brothers movie, and you have that uh, that black church they go to, and it's like everyone is like singing and dancing, and, like speaking in tongues. Like the church I grew up in was a lot like that. But replace all the black people with upper middle class whites <laughs> and add like a pretty sinister vibe. <laughs> and like, yeah, that was it. It was weird, man. We'd have four hour church services. People would be like prophesying, trying to heal people. Speaking wow. Tongues. So you're talking hardcore people mm-hmm. putting their hand on the head and yep. demons be gone. All that shit, man. Yeah. Now, you saw people speak in tongues? Yeah. I mean, I did too. Now, all right. Now, okay, Scott, I know mm-hmm. you. Obviously, uh, I'm going to guess you're – what's your uh, – well, I mean, uh, are you – Are you? would you consider yourself religious right now? No. I mean, uh, I uh, – when I was like 18, 17, 18, our youth group like fell apart because the pastor moved to Alaska. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he ended up actually incidentally being in the 2004 uh, – no, 2008 election cycle. He was Sarah Palin's crazy pastor from Alaska. Oh, really? I don't know if you ever saw the clips, oh, wow. but it, uh, it was a guy saying, like, Alaska's going to be a refuge in the end times. Like, <laughs> so, like, uh, that was the guy that, like, essentially raised me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was your male robot. Yeah. So uh, when he moved to Alaska, like, our youth group fell apart. And all of a sudden, I was just like, what am I, what am I doing? This is crazy. And, like, I should, like, be talking to chicks or something and, like, get out so of it. So, but up until mm-hmm. that, oh, 17, 18, you were on board. On, I was an on-fire Christian. Wow. Yeah, I would, like, go out on, like, Friday nights with, like, the rest of my youth group. We would stand outside bars and, like, witness to people leaving bars. That's crazy. I mean, that's crazy right. to me because I know you just mm-hmm. as kind of Scott Lures, laid-back party guy who just... Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's me. Just down to hang yeah. out, have a couple beers, well, like, shoot the shit. The thing was, like, that was my whole social life. Like, I didn't see, like, Christian, I went to Christian school and then church. So, like, those, like, that youth group was, like, my whole, that was all my friends, you know. So, it's just, like, that's just what you do. And the speaking in tongues thing, like, I didn't believe in it. And it actually, like, pretty much frightened me. Like, it scared me. Yeah. And uh, we had, like, a youth group service where the pastor was, like, okay, uh, everyone tonight is going to speak in tongues. And you're, like, oh, that's really crazy. Because uh, you see the adults doing it, but usually you don't have to do anything like that. Just so. shout out corn lyrics. Just yeah. see what they say. So he goes around and like everyone's doing. It. He comes to me and he's like, "All right, Scott." I'm like, "Yeah, I, I kind of just like really don't want to do this." And yeah. He's like, "Nah, that's cool." And then he just starts praying for me, and then so I just start making it up. No, well, so well, so did everybody have, else, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kind of fascinated by the psychology of speaking in tongues. Mm. 
So uh, did you talk to anyone prior to speaking in tongues? Were you given any instructions of like how to speak in tongues? Or you just see people do it and mm. it's implied, hey, we see these other people doing it. Scott, be a good Christian. Yeah. You speak in tongues like this. The way uh, it's supposed to work is you get like hands laid on you and people pray for you. And then the Holy Spirit fills you and you just start speaking in this language. Yeah. Uh, but the way it worked for me, it was like, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> but I had seen, like, during the regular Sunday service, I'd seen, like, adults doing it. So I knew how to fake it. So yeah. So I just kind of faked it. And then you fake it for, like, a year or two, and you start believing it. Really? Yeah. So there were, okay, so when was your first speaking in tongues incident? I was probably, like, 14. Okay. Yeah. So 14, you start speaking in tongues. Mm. So it's basically like it's like short form improv. Someone they, <laughs> you get pressured into it, and then you what, how do yeah. you you just have to start going like da la 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 ba ba shaka. I would feel way too weird like doing it. Uh, so, but now but, now you're 14, mm-hmm. you're hitting puberty, noticing mm-hmm. chicks. Well, there's babes in the youth group. Yeah, yeah. It, but you're going to a, a Catholic school, yeah. so it's all kind of everyone's kind of bought in, and everyone's oh, do you known feel... each other too since you were like third grade, and there's only like forty of you. So, do you feel tempted? Do you feel like I'm missing out on something, or you're not kind of aware of that? You know, like uh, honestly, like what I thought was going to happen. This is just because I my brother is like seven years older than me, and I yeah. watched him. Uh, he went to college, Christian college, and. Uh, when you get to Christian college, there's like a thing they tell you, ring by spring. And that means by spring of your senior year, you're going to be engaged to somebody. Yeah. So, like, I just assumed, like, I'm going to go to this college and leave with a bride. <laughs> <laughs> like that. So I, would, I didn't even, like, trip at all about, like, trying to hit on chicks or have sex with chicks or anything. I was just like, no, it's just going to, like, this happens. This is the Lord's will. Wow. Mm. No, I, and oh. so, I mean, yeah, that's, uh, it's just interesting that you... So there was nothing, nothing really like in the back of your head kind of questioning it. You were just all in. And then it was when your youth group fell apart, that's when you really started to question stuff? Yeah, I guess like, um, yeah, you just sort of, I guess I always had my doubts and stuff. But uh, again, that's my whole life was like being there. Yeah. So you, you just, it's your kinda, whole social you just world. play along with it. Yeah. Dude, and my, then, my sophomore year of, of college at San Diego State, I, went, I started going to a mm. church like that. But it was like geared towards young people, like college yeah. kids. And they, they had rock bands playing, and the guy had like, Yeah, we're the cool church. Like, yeah, this was like a half cool, pipe man. set up in the back. And like, I, I just went because I didn't have very many friends. And like, I knew <laughs> kids who were like yeah. Christian, and, and they had hot chicks. And like, they were like, you should come because they knew I was a fuck up. And then I went and like, <laughs> I was like, this is bullshit. But like, they were like rooting for me so mm-hmm. much to turn Christian that the, like that attention turned me on. So I just like kept going yeah. for like six months dude, <laughs> until I finally got baptized at like a camp they went to. Because <laughs> like for six months they were like, oh, hey, Justin, how are Like they were so nice because they wanted me to like be Christian. I was like, oh, I fucking love that being nice. And like, and then finally when I got baptized, they were just like, Oh well, he's done. They they didn't <laughs> like me anymore. So I was like, "Fuck this!" And then I just stopped going. Like a week later, like no, wait, what? Wait, you so just I... converted to Christianity. What? Where'd <laughs> you go? He's like, "I fucking." I was, I was like, "I fucking not for me." <laughs> the, the, buzz, the buzz died down. Yeah. I was no like, wait. How old were you, Justin, when you kind of got into that? I was uh, nineteen or twenty. Nineteen. Yeah. Well, because like I went, I lived in the dorms, even though I lived in the same, like I went to college in the same city I was born. And I met friends, and for whatever reason, they just like dro- either dropped out or moved back. And I was like, I didn't have any. I had to move back home, and it was like a weird commute. And I was like, hang out with these Christian kids. Like, there were some. Ba- there are some babes too. Yeah, there are. There's shitloads yeah. of babes, and it's also like a place to meet other losers who like have no friends. Stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, uh, no, for me, it was like um, when that youth group fell apart, like my doubts were already in place. And once the social structure of like hanging out with people was yeah. gone, it was like, well, what's the point of this? Yeah, so you're already kind of just, yeah, I, I guess kind of had your doubts. And then yeah. like you said, yeah, I mean, that, that's got to be weird to have your whole social structure surrounded by that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, hey, it's all you know. Now, yeah. college came up. So, yeah, I've already not believing in Christianity. Okay, and then so goes, we're talking 18, 17, right? Yeah, and then I go straight to a Christian college. Now, which Christian college did you go to? Uh, Azusa Pacific University. Azusa Pacific. Yeah. Now, that's out here on the West Coast. Yep, in uh, Azusa, California. They got everything from A to Z in the USA. That's the motto. <laughs> uh, the college basically owns the whole town. Uh, it's, like, it's, it's actually kind of creepy. But, um, yeah, I was supposed to go to college in Indiana. Where my, okay. Where my brother went to college. I had applied, gotten in that Christian school. But he was living out here. He was a youth pastor at the time. And he said, I think there's a school out here you might like better. Oh, I okay. came to visit, went to the school, got there. There was like babes and bikinis, like sunbathing. <laughs> I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, so, all right. Now you're, now you're falling to temptation. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I got to college, within like two months, I started getting fucked up. Like, <laughs> and I was like, immediately, like, I just knew. I just what knew. percentage of the kids were getting fucked up? Probably like 10 to 15%. Hmm. Yeah. So a lot of the kids at the the Christian college were still kind of on board and yeah, tons of them. But you would meet the ones that weren't because you couldn't smoke cigarettes on campus. Yeah. And there was like a few spots where there was like gates where you could walk out and there were like smoking corners. So you'd go there and you would just meet everyone else to smoke cigarettes. So and then they by extension would get fucked up. So now yeah. you're just outside of LA. You're just kind of like figuring stuff out. Mm-hmm. What, was there like a moment when, you know, hey, you just pulled the plug, or was it just kind of a slow burn? It went. Uh, well, I would say my freshman year of college. When you mm-hmm. signed up, or like your first day of college, were, was your intention, hey, I'm going to do the, I'm going to have a nice bride by the time I graduate college. I'm still kind of on board with Christianity. What was your thought yeah. starting college day one? Well. There was, like, a mixture of both. There was, like, well, this track is, like, set. Like, this is how I'm supposed to, like, proceed in life, you know. I mean, I voted for Bush that year. <laughs> like, for no reason other than, like, everyone at school voted for Bush. I voted for Bush. My parents were voting for Bush. <laughs> it was just, Bush. like, it seemed like that was 2000, we're talking about. Like, yeah. I used no thought whatsoever at all about voting. I was just, like, I'm going to do what what everyone is doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, it was just so insane to me now. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so part of me was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, follow this path, like, get a degree, get married when I get out. But also, when you go to a school there, you have to sign this contract. That oh, yeah. Says you're, it's a student life contract that says, like, I believe in Jesus. I'm not gay. That's, that's, that is on <laughs> it. It says I'm not gay? Yeah. You, yes, you, so you violated that a number uh, of times. So many times, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so like, while I was signing, I was like, eh, this is bullshit. But part of me was like, still, I'm still going to get that path and get the like the nice girl, like right. So you I can't were, believe it says I. It makes you say you're not gay. Yeah, Does if it you, say uh, it, you like, can't be openly gay at that crazy. school. So the idea was, hey, I realize some of the religious stuff is a little extreme, but I'm still on board with kind of the occupational, the yeah. social process of finding a chick, getting a good job, exactly, having a career. Yeah. So you're kind of still on board with that. Yeah, and then over that year, uh, my, my brother was, he was living in Simi Valley, and he was a youth pastor at a Pentecostal church. And I would go up there and hang out with him, because I was trying to hook up with his wife's sister, <laughs> who was living with him. And uh, we would go, I would go... Now, like, now how's, how's the move go of, 
Obviously, it sounds like she's pretty religious. You're mm-hmm. still presenting yourself as, you know, yeah. religious. What What's kind of the move? How do you get laid in youth group? That's what I'm looking for. Well, you're asking the wrong guy. Cause, uh, <laughs> I uh, I did not get laid at all. Like, Jesus laid himself into my heart. But that was it. <laughs> uh, no, this other, I was like, you want to go, like, I, like, it was bullshit. Like, go to the Grove of Anaheim or something like yeah. that. <laughs> Hang out. Go to Fuddruckers, maybe. <laughs> like, just, like, the most, like, like bland kind of shit you could do like that's that's it but like so that wasn't going to work out because i started drinking and started being like as soon as you start drinking too like oh this is complete bullshit <laughs> yeah it just so, alcohol really opened up your <laughs> alcohol reading books like, <laughs> things like that you're just and then pot too like you get high and then you start thinking about like the structure of christianity like give me a break <laughs> so over that year it just was like <laughs> Because I used to get uh, guilty when I would, like, talk shit on Christianity or th- yeah. even think no, about I, it. No, I, I still have that, yeah. too. You would get guilty and you'd be like, I would I always say this in my mind. They would be like, oh, that's going to be a tough one to explain on Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> like, whenever I was, like, blaspheming in my mind. But then over the year, like, I just stopped feeling like that, you know. And then, it, and then I went through a phase of being a hardcore atheist, telling people how shitty their beliefs were. Super aggressive the yeah, other way. super aggressive. And now I'm just like... I don't know, done enough drugs where I'm kind of on that thing where, like, nature is God. (laughs) Or, you know, it's just like, there's maybe something, but no one on Earth is going to tell me what it is. No, I'll never forget, I worked with this guy, um, one of my first gigs, or basically the gig that got me out of here was I interned at the tape library at Entertainment Tonight. I worked with this dude, Brian, who's a cool guy, also from Penn State at the time, and he just had a great line. He was like, yeah, he goes, um, I just don't think anyone, any other human being knows more or less about religion than I do. Yeah. And that was just, to me, that was just kind of mm-hmm. like an epiphany. Yeah. Um, and it's weird because I feel like it can go both ways where obviously we've all seen like the negative side effects of religion of, mm-hmm. you know, turning a blind eye to bad stuff or whatever or kind of promoting a certain lifestyle or being judgmental about people and kind of ruining their lives. But then there's also just the there's, – there's a super positive angle of just like, hey, people get together and want to live a good life yeah. and it's – it's not bad um, in any sense. So. It kind of gives you, like, a moral code and then also just teaches you, like, not to be a shithead to people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right, which should be implied. Yeah. But there's nothing – but you also – the older you get, the more you realize, like, oh, well, yeah, that I figured that out because my parents are decent people or yep. whatever. The people I were around with were decent enough to be like, no, that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And if religion, you know, has that kind of – it takes that role for people. Hey, God bless them. And yeah. yeah, it's that same thing of like, I, I would never consider myself an atheist because that would imply, I know there's no God. And I, and I feel like that's almost as crazy as saying there definitely is a God and he has these specific lists of rules. Like, I, I don't know it. Maybe it's a cop out, but I have no fucking idea. Like, why is that a weird choice? I don't understand. Yeah. Cause like when you really think about it, it's like, Okay, the Big Bang Theory, like, sure. Like, intellectually fine, but it, like, seems a little too convenient. (laughs) You know, like, there has to be something. (laughs) Right, science, every bit, Mm -hmm. basically, we've been around for what? 
uh, millions of years as humans. We have five billion people. The best we can come up with is that uh, there was a giant explosion years ago. Yeah. Before that, we have no fucking idea. That's the best we can do scientifically. So then you could just say, oh, well, yeah, God pulled the trigger on that explosion. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's kind of a... Uh, yeah, it's Questions crazy. of the universe, guys. Yeah. Crazy. Well, that's what you get into in a podcast. You kind of go yeah. the full spectrum. Yeah. So you're hanging out there. Mm-hmm. You're s- slowly working your way into debauchery. Still yeah. kind of – it sounds like you're still kind of on board. Now, were you like hiding your drinking, hiding your partying from like fellow people at school or were you kind of like um, a bad boy? Not at school. At school, I kind of didn't give a fuck. Like I would like – I thought it was hilarious to go to class like high or drunk. Like I just I thought it was Christian so funny. School, yeah. And uh, so that wouldn't <laughs> be a problem. But like for my family – No, wait, sorry. Real quick. Mm-hmm. What was your major? Accounting. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you're gonna be a yeah. bookkeeper. Good gig. Yeah, I mean, I never have once used that degree, but um, uh, yeah, it was like a business college, and then accounting. Uh, none of my classmates were able to do it, and to me, it seemed easy, so I just yeah. went along with it. And I could be making like pretty serious money right now, but uh, it seemed uh, too boring once I got into college. <laughs> just like I don't want to fuck. Yeah, that. it wasn't as entertaining as daytime bars. Well, it's bullshit. When you get into college at eighteen, like you don't know fucking anything. No, Dude, I, I was thinking yeah. about that exact same thing the other day. Like yeah. I switched my major from electrical engineering mm-hmm. to philosophy because I started yeah. doing drugs and was like, "What's wrong? what's going on with the world?" I'll major in philosophy. No one told me that you cannot get a job <laughs> at anything. No. But well, like, if you go to school at 25, I feel like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm past my shit where I'm past that phase where I'm trying to like learn about the universe and have, <laughs> have a political things that opinions are like. To remember telling people about music, I used to tell people like, fuck that shit. Or like, you have opinions on anything, and then like you turn 25 and it's like you're past that shit. Then you're like, all right, I'm gonna major in accounting yeah. so I can get a job and have a life mm-hmm. and do philosophy like in my spare time. <laughs> You know what I mean? Not like no. I, I, no I'm talking about it on the podcast. Like, you should start college when you're 25. Yes, I mean it doesn't. I am a huge. Our fan society of that. isn't figured out to like have that in place. But really, 25. If someone was like, okay, for the next three years, well, trim it down to three years, condense it three years. You're just going to learn. You've lived up till you're 25. By now, you've figured out kind of your skills, what you're good at, what you're not good at. Yeah, I mean, exactly. and, and kind of figured out, like, okay, I'm analytical brain. I'm an artistic brain. Like, you already have an angle. You already understand the workforce. And now you're going to get three years where you're going to get, like, a really strong liberal arts background that you'll actually be interested in reading. Yeah. The reading when I was 18? Are you fucking kidding me? Now, like, I wish I could just have time to read shit because I'd be like, oh, yeah, hey, that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Exactly. Or that's it, like... I have the life experiences to appreciate that. When you're 18, you're just... I was, yeah, I was going to school for electrical engineering, and I didn't even know how to do fucking laundry. I got there, I was like, I can't, excuse me, can you do my laundry? So what the, what? Come on. No, I mean, I, I essentially paid $80,000 to, like, make some really good friends. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, like, I had a blast at college, you know? I, I met friends that are still my friends 10 years later, like, lifelong friends, and, you know, just partied and then like re- i did read a lot but not like school work stuff I yeah just, like, read and, my own stuff yeah and, and you yeah. and you do read some of the stuff yeah. i'm just saying the i like if i was 25 and i was taking these gen eds i would have appreciated the what it takes to just like or the money mm-hmm. like when you're 18 yeah. and they say hey you're taking out twelve thousand dollars student loan you're like 
Yeah, yeah fuck that. Who Dude, gives a yeah. shit? I mean, I graduated college with like 15 grand in credit card debt, and this is, and also as an accounting major. Yeah. And this is how stupid I was. I was like, well, I'll be making like 35 grand out of school, so I'll pay that off in six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just you you have no sense of the world. No, no, no. no you no. should live in the yeah. world for a little while, mm. and then college should be a treat of like. Oh, hey, you've excelled at enough at kind of your basic occupation. You've shown an affinity to, hey, you're really good at math. Hey, let's get you into engineering. Yeah. You're really good at writing. Let's get you into that. I mean, that's really yeah. how it should go. If I had to do it over again, I would not have gone, though. I just wanted, I would just would have moved to L.A. Right. And well, and then that, that brings us to how you basically got into the comedy or got into comedy. <laughs> so you're mm-hmm. doing this. Um, like you said, you, you went through, mm-hmm. sounded like kind of half-assing the Christianity part, but you were yeah. still graduated. Mm-hmm. You had a degree in accounting. Yeah. What was your first move out of college? Uh, moving right back in with my folks. <laughs> <laughs> so now you went all the way back to New Jersey. Yeah. And just like, hey, I mean, I I'll chilled out from there. After college, I chilled for like three months and like half-assed tried to get a job. It's like, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do this shit. And then uh, my, my friend from home, his dad owned a glass shop. And uh, he contacted me and he goes, do you want to be an assistant manager for my glass shop now that you graduated college? I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's now, it. this is – we've talked about pot a lot. This is a legit mm-hmm. glass shop. This isn't just Oh, yeah, no. This shop. is like installing showers and mirrors oh, okay. and all that stuff. And like I don't know. I was like – I've always been a big fan of epiphanies and stuff. Like okay. you get real drunk or high and listen to a Beatles song and they're like, <laughs> yeah, man, this is it. So I was like, oh, I miss the seasons. I miss family and stuff. And then you get home and you're like, I don't miss any of this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got home and uh, I took this job and I was like, this is what I'll do. Because, like, I don't know, just, like, doing something. I've been obsessed with stand-up, like, forever. Like, I, I've always loved it. Like, the, I remember the first special I ever saw was Brian Regan. Oh, yeah. And it just, like, fucking killed me. I went and saw him live. The first show I ever went to was Brian Regan Live. It was like, this yeah. is amazing. This is what I want to do. Uh, but then, like, that's not a possibility. You're just right. not allowed to. Yeah. It was a first, like, when I started doing stand-up, I was doing an, an impression of him. Okay. Like, I, I love Brian Reagan. No, it's a, it's a great guy yeah. to model. I mean, yeah, because it's just clean jokes. Mm. It's fun, but it's it's legitimately funny. It's, mm-hmm. it's super sarcastic. It, it's kind of a great voice. Yeah, the first time I saw it, I just had never seen anything that funny. And then I got, like, obsessed with comedy, uh, especially when I was living at home. Uh, I moved with my folks for, like, three months, got my own place, worked a job for three years, living in Jersey. I was, uh, was that at the glass shop? At the glass shop. I was going to leave after one year. I then got a... Pretty fantastic DUI. <laughs> Kept me behind another about no, about another year and a half. But the whole time I was listening to this, uh, it's like this shock jock show in New York called Opie and Anthony. Yeah, and Opie, had, whip them out Wednesdays. Yeah, no, absolutely. The whip them out Wednesdays. Uh, mm-hmm. If you're not a ONA fan, was um, yeah. On, on mm-hmm. Wednesdays they had a thing of uh, I think what if, if you just had your bumper sticker, yeah, you had to have a sticker on it, and then chicks your would flash head, you. headlights on. They would flash mm-hmm. you. Yeah, I, I basically never, like the afternoon drive equivalent to Howard Stern. Yeah, I was always way too self conscious to put one of those stickers on my car. <laughs> but uh, I'd listen, you see him yeah. around now, and it's just like, ah, it's yeah, it, the time. it makes you cringe. But uh, at the time, I was listening to that, and they'd have guys like everyone who's like the, the top now, like Louis C.K., Bill well, Burr, and, and that's it's funny you say that because I feel like I was probably in a similar place in a mm-hmm. similar time. Working at my uncle's hardware store the first couple of years out of high school, yeah. um, going to college at Penn State. Lis- I listened to Opie and Anthony yeah. uh, in the afternoons, driving around, working for my uncle's hardware store. Because, yeah, like you said, I mean, yeah, they had the typical shock job 
shock jack gimmicks of whip them out or whatever. That kind of stuff. But they also had basically the best yeah. New York comics. And mm-hmm. I would hear these guys and then I started going into New York City, made a couple trips in there, go to the Comedy Cellar, yeah. see comedians like Jim Norton or um, – yeah, Patrice O'Neill or any of the guys they had yeah, on. You're like, holy shit, these guys are really funny. And they weren't like any other radio show I'd ever heard was always just setting guys up to do their bits. And then this show was just like you'd have Patrice O'Neill sitting there for four hours just talking. <laughs> yes. And like, listen, that stuff, I started getting obsessed. And I was like, I know I really want to do this. And I decided to move back to L.A. And I was going to take like a UCB class or something. But I yeah. never, obviously never did. It took me three years. <laughs> obviously. I mean, it took me three years of living in L.A. to finally go up. Wow. So it. you moved out to L.A. But you wanted to. It was always in my mind, but I didn't know you could just do it. No, so you moved out to L.A. Mm-hmm. with the idea of doing comedy, but still took you three mm-hmm. years to kind of get to it. Yeah, the idea, like I was like, comedy would be... Because I would thought, like, just at that time, I thought comedians were, like, the coolest people alive. Now you know them, and you're like, these people suck so bad. No, <laughs> quite the opposite. Yeah, I but, used to think that mm-hmm. all comedians were famous first. That's what I thought. And then did yeah. comedy as, like, just a thing mm-hmm. that they did. So, yeah, like I Bill did. Cosby and, like, Gally. Because <laughs> remember, like, you, you, would go to, to kill. you would yeah. go to the video store, and that's the only way you could find out about comedy before the internet. And I just saw Gallagher, Richard Pryor, <laughs> Bill Cosby, and maybe one other person, Steve Martin. I thought, oh, you, those are the only comedians in the world. Yeah, I totally thought you just had to be like somehow born a comedian. Like some, I don't like I didn't I didn't conceive of a way in. But uh, I spent like three years fucking off. Like I worked at production companies. But again, if you don't know what you want out of something like that, and you show up and be like, hey, I'll be your assistant, you're not going anywhere. No, like, yeah. They'll ask you like, what do you want to do? You want to write, produce? I'm like, I don't know. I just figured this would turn into something. Yeah. And like, yeah, turning this into getting my dry cleaning. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, there's plenty mm. of people in LA looking for a guy. Who just has an idea of like, hey, I want to just make it in show business, mm-hmm. and oh, hey, this is the way you do it. Just help me yep. out for a little while. That was totally me, and uh, I was doing that, and then I just got to the point. And also, I wasn't driving when I was working there, oh, and wow. you need a car for that job. And, yeah, uh, I lied to them and told them I had a car, and then <laughs> oh, this I would is great. Be, I would be running errands on my bicycle, like <laughs> showing back up covered in sweat, or like a bunch of times I would like. I'd have to go pick up something that you couldn't carry on a bicycle, so I'd take a cab. I was, oh, I was wow. like twenty five dollars. I was getting paid for a long time, nothing, and then like eight twenty five an hour. Uh, eventually, so I was like, "This is not going to work for me." And I was just working at the Cheesecake Factory, like really having a bad time in life. And this guy I worked with, uh, he invited me to go to a comedy show that he was on. But I like I had known this guy for a year, and he never said anything funny to me right. whatsoever. I was like, I don't understand. I'm like, you do comedy? Like, I don't get it. So like, I went and saw him, and it was like such a horrendous show. <laughs> it was like a bringer show. It's, real quick, comedy is mm-hmm. one of those things that people get inspired off of seeing great sets, but they really end up doing it off of seeing people do it really poorly. Yeah, I went and saw what I didn't even know existed. Which I'm, is like, you don't yeah. get in anything yeah. else. Like. I don't see mm-hmm. the Eagles losing to the <laughs> Detroit Lions and go like, oh, hey, I can do professional yeah. football. <laughs> yeah, I That's watched so uh, 10 comedians who had to bring five friends each to uh, do their sets, and it was just like so bad. Was that the first live comedy you saw? No, I had, like I said, gone to Brian Regan. I'd gone to the uh, Open Anthony Virus Tour. Yeah. Uh, I, I had gone and seen comedy, but uh, that was the first, like, bad comedy I'd ever oh, seen. Shit. That actually Never was that. I, I was living in a place where you can't see free comedy in Jersey, so you had to pay to go to a club, and it's going to be good. You know, that was the first, like, free or cheap comedy I'd seen, and then you were like, 
Oh. <laughs> like anyone <laughs> opened yeah. up your door of like a whole yeah. other world. And when I saw how bad it was, I uh, got blackout drunk that night, messaged a guy on Facebook and said, can I get a show? And then he gave me a show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and the, uh, but it was, uh, it was a bringer show at El Cid. Yeah. So, but I didn't know what that El Cid, local place oh, yeah. here in Silver Lake, yeah. kind of a weird restaurant performance. Like yeah, down area. a hill. It's like down a hill. It's, it's actually pretty, like it's a really, really cool. cool venue. But yeah, just, no, it, it's too bad like someone can't just throw a regular show there. Yeah, no, for whatever reason, there's been different shows there over the years. It's mm-hmm. kind of an interesting vibe. Kind of uh, a Mexican restaurant. They have a stage. The stage is really cool. Whatever reason, nothing's ever stuck for a long time as far as like yeah. a really solid show there. But there's been like good flashes of like, oh hey, that was a good gig here, or good gig there. Did you go back to the first like we were talking about like the first show you went to? Like mm-hmm. the first show I ever went to was it was like, it was at an open mic, and there was this old woman like she went to Vaughn's mm-hmm. next door to the comedy store and just bought a sack of potatoes. Yes. For the bit. And it turns out, this is the first time I saw it, and it, she would do this for like <laughs> a few months. She would buy a sack of potatoes for this bit that I can't even remember because she was had some sort of mental disorder. But she was smashing <laughs> it with a hammer on the stool and saying she was making like mashed potatoes. Mm. That's all. I only remember the punchline. That's then, all she has. So that's the first time that I step into a comedy club. Mm. That's what I saw. And I was like... Uh, I, can, I think I can do this. You can top that. Yeah, I hadn't seen <laughs> stuff like that. I only seen like great comedians, and then uh, once I saw that, I was like, "Oh, there's room for me in this." <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I mean, the idea of like, yeah, that's America. You basically you see someone else doing something, you're like, nah, I can figure that out. And slowly, you <laughs> kind of quasi figure it out, and yeah, pay for it. It's great about this country. Now, let's see. Or well, I feel like we have to touch on a DUI. Now, oh, yeah. you've had a – it was just one DUI, right? Or uh, It should have been so many DUIs. Oh, okay. Like, obviously. I mean, I've driven, like, on mushrooms before with uh, sunglasses that refract light <laughs> and make everything look like prisms. Like, I've done that, like, not gotten caught, like, yeah. so many, so many times. But, I mean, I should have gotten a serious DUI in college when I was under my parents' insurance uh, where I got pulled over on Halloween night wearing a uh, – Alf face mask and a California raisin bodysuit. No, wait. So you had the face mask on while you were driving? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I took it off as she was. It was a female cop. As she was coming to the side of the door, I took it off, but I still had it in my lap. And like when I got out of the car, I was holding it still. <laughs> so she, wait, all right. Let's let's walk through this one. Okay, so you got the Alf mask on. You're in the California raisin suit. I'm assuming yeah. you were just kind of. That was a last-minute uh, high purchase. Like I was like, oh, I'll just get my Halloween costume the day of. No big deal. I'll go to the thrift store. And then I was like, these two things make a costume. And uh, so I got that, and then me and my roommates we just started drinking. And, like, you know, we were in college, so you know we went to a dope mansion party that night. <laughs> <laughs> and we get there. We just drank, like, everything. Like, uh, in college, we were, me and my friends were really into stealing everybody else's liquor. <laughs> party. So we just drank that place dry, and then we're like, Fuck this! Let's get out of here. And I wasn't even like I was like nineteen or twenty. We had fake IDs. We, went, we were on our way to a bar. I was with my friend Rusty again, and he goes, "Dude, you were swerving pretty bad." I was like, "Why don't you just chill, bro?" And then all of a sudden, sirens, lights, getting pulled over, and uh, this female cop she pulled me out of the car, and uh, we we sit there. She's talking to me, and I just tell her, I'm like telling her like. Yeah, just trying to get these guys home safe. <laughs> you know, like, like Sounds the, familiar. The worst thing. Telling her you had like 
Whenever you say, yeah, I just had three beers. Yeah. Like, three oh, is not a good to number. You're none, right? No, yeah, well, but even <laughs> normally the, what you admit to it ends up being two. But if you're already admitting to three. I was admitting to three, but I had, like, 1,700. <laughs> uh, so we sit there, and she is, like, uh, not happy with me. And uh, we're standing there. But we just keep standing there forever. And uh, you know when you're really drunk, time seems like it's going on forever. Yep. But I do believe it. it was at least 10 minutes. And I looked at her. I'm like, so what's going on? She's like, well, we're, we're waiting for backup. Was, for some reason, she couldn't arrest me without backup. And then uh, backup just never came. Wow. And then after what? a while, she was like, can you call someone and have them come and pick you up? Somebody that's sober. And I was like... So she already <laughs> knew you were drunk. You oh, she, dude, uh, I was so shit-faced. It was like, um, I'll, I'll get to how shit-faced it was, but uh, I was so drunk, like, she knew. And then she was like, if you can get someone to pick you up who's not drunk before my backup gets here, I'll let you go. So I'm, like, thinking, oh, like, man, calling. Oh, that's what? a lot of pressure. But nobody that's on Halloween, like, I didn't know anyone. My, my friend Chris was, like, only had a couple beers. He said would come down. We were pulled over right outside of Round Table Pizza where I worked. <laughs> and this kid I worked with who I used to pick on relentlessly came out and he was all like is everything okay and i was like oh Juan, you gotta help me <laughs> and he moved my car into the parking lot and she let us go oh my but, god but uh she Holy breathalyzed shit. me after she was like okay like you're good to go she goes let's just see how drunk you really were what yeah and i blew she's uh, just down to party she's yeah, just I blew, like curious i blew a 0.18 oh and so she goes wow. you know you're almost three times over the legal limit and i was like and again i'm in a california raisin body so. <laughs> I'm clutching an alf mask in my hand, and I was like, "Oh yeah, crazy!" And then, uh, <laughs> so I weird just, circum. Yeah, I just start prancing away. You know, like I'm getting away with this. Can't believe it. And she goes, "Hold on, Mr. Lures. And I'm like, "Oh no!" And I turn around, and she hands me my ID. She's like, "You uh, forgot this." I'm like, "Thank God." Oh. And then I went to a bar and drank for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and didn't drive home that time. No, not that time. But then uh, a couple years later in Jersey, um, got a. Uh, I'd, I'd gone to a all-day going-away party for someone who was going to New Orleans and uh, was drinking, like, playing volleyball all day, like, typical East Coast barbecue, yeah. you know, having a good time. And uh, party gets over at, like, 6. I drunk drive home, like, real bad, but it's light out, so, you know, you're all good. <laughs> right. And get home. We walk over to New Hope, Pennsylvania. I was living on the, oh, yeah. on the border. New Hope. Yeah, I was living in Lamberville. We walked to New Hope and uh, start hitting the bars there. A couple chicks show up that we knew, and uh, I'm just blackout drunk, and I make it a fool of myself. And I realize, like, I just say it out loud. I go, I'm not getting late at night. <laughs> and I hop a fence, like, with a beer and walk home, get in my car, need to get cigarettes. Oh, n- Jersey's every place is no. closed. Drive back to Pennsylvania. No. Buy some cigs at the Wawa. <laughs> drive home. Pulling up in front of my apartment. Oh. Good to go. Pulled over right outside my apartment. Oh. This time, blew point two one. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. So, bad times. Bad times. I uh, had to tell my parents about it. Uh, now, what? How, how, do you, how do you have that conversation? Well, the, the worst part about it is I, I was living like 10 minutes away from my parents. And my mother worked for the township where I was living in. Yeah. And when I got arrested, uh, they brought me to the, the drunk tank or whatever. And I, all I remember from it is saying, like, my parents aren't going to find out about this, are they? <laughs> and the guy's like, I don't know. It should be fine. <laughs> So, they tell you whatever. Yeah, they just tell you what, whatever. Any question you ask, like, mm. hey, uh, I'm still going to be able to keep my job <laughs> delivering groceries, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> they, tell, they feed you whatever you, yeah, they whatever want you why. to hear. Uh, so I'm like, okay, they, uh, they, they released yeah. me back to my roommate's custody. And uh, <laughs> yeah, and actually, if I had gone out again and driven again, he would have gotten a DUI if I got caught again. It was like oh, some wow. weird legal thing where he was legally responsible. Yeah, that's probably the cops up. talking shit, too. Yeah, probably. Uh, oh. So 
my parents have been on vacation, and they came back like a week later, and I called my mom. I was like, I'm just going to have to tell them. They're going to find out. Me and my mom, we were walking. Uh, she comes out. We walk along the Delaware River towpath. <laughs> nice little nice little spot. Great place. Yeah, and after like 20 minutes, I'm like, Mom, i got to tell you something. And she goes, oh, I already read about it in the paper. Oh, wow. Yep. How was it in the paper? Uh, in the police blotter. Your parents oh. scroll through there. And it was, like, written up very bad. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> they did not portray you in a positive light. I mean, I was... Honest to, to God, yeah. good citizen Scott Lures was framed for a crime he didn't commit. He was just getting a uh, pack of butts over at, uh, across the border there. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was more like they were, uh, Scott Lures is uh, driving very intoxicated on the wrong side of the road. What? But it wasn't. It was like a... Basically a one-way street, you know. So you got framed. Yeah, I got, I got. It was a frame <laughs> job for sure. But yeah, that was just an uncomfortable moment because uh, my my whole life with growing up super religious, my mom's a super religious one. Like everything I did, I tried to hide from her because I just didn't want to hurt her feelings. Yeah. And then getting a DUI in the town she she works in, and it's a pretty like spectacular one. Uh, just kind of nailed. <laughs> just kind of hit nailed the hurt feelings off. But now, all right. Let's try to end on a positive note sure. here. Are they really proud of you pursuing your dreams of stand-up comedy? Has that? What's uh, their take on that? They're pretty, I would say, more worried than proud. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, my mom has never seen me perform. I don't even know how that would go. My dad came to a show uh, a couple months ago. He's out here on a motorcycle trip. But it was a show at the Improv Lab run by Joseph Larkin. <laughs> and uh, not, like, the shiny example of, like, <laughs> What you want your parents to think your career right. comedy is like? Seven people hanging out. Yeah, it was phones. like yeah, I was in front of seven people. I was getting desperate. I started talking about drugs. I've never my parents don't we haven't talked about the fact that it right. Drugs. It's implied. Yeah, it's implied. So he uh, afterwards he's like, it was pretty good. You looked pretty nervous up there though. <laughs> <laughs> but he lied to my mom. Told her it went well. Oh, um, well, there you go. At this point, like me and my parents are at a cool spot where they just kind of let me go. They just let me do my thing, and they're like, you know, they're supportive. They're they don't really want to know anything. Yeah. But they're supportive. Hey, you're hanging out, yeah. drinking beers, not following the Lord's way. But overall, you're there a good you seed. Go. They're fine with that. Absolutely. Oh, Amen, yeah. brother. <laughs> Feels like a great place to uh, wrap things up. Justin Decker, um, thanks for coming on, sitting in the wingman position. Thanks Where can for people having check me, Sean. Out? People can check me out on Twitter at Justin underscore Decker. <laughs> and that's it. Facebook, uh, J Double Decker. Instagram, I don't know what it is. Just search Justin Decker and then you'll find all that Justin shit. Justin is you know the what king I mean? of Instagram, by the way. He's yeah. a very strong Instagram hand. Google right. Justin Decker, find all that shit. Scott Lures, where can people check you out? Oh, uh, Twitter, I am at Luresman. I am uh, doing the Lord's work on there. Um, also, when does this go up? Um, yeah, it'll post on Monday. Okay, yeah. Uh, then I have my I have a storytelling show about getting wasted. Yeah, uh, it's a great. It's a great show. Very fun. Yep. If no, you're in the LA area, check it out for sure. Absolutely. So it's gonna be on the 27th at Dangerfields Three. Uh, check that out. I'll be tweeting about it. 27th of October. Check out Scott Lures over at Dangerfields 3. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the podcast. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. This has been the Green Room. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Log on to SeanTGreen.com to access archive episodes and follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show. Also, check out DocumentaryLabel.com. You should have seen she was really naive. Shit, she was still only 19. And he was many years older. But he's seen her walk by in them tight jeans. And he looked at
did her like that's my queen Cause he thought that he could mold her But it's over yeah. no. Larry was a 39 year old dude Who was getting over divorce and a custody feud And he'd been single now About a year and a half He liked to hit the strip club For a beer and a laugh And one particular girl And his mind was a standout Knew exactly when she worked Had his schedule planned out And he would hand out money and advice to her often She liked him Smile when he walked in And he was real witty And her laughter was genuine She was real pretty with that passionate feminine touch That he had missed so much since his wife left So soft with her clothes off She was priceless Hypnotized when she moved to the rhythm He soon suggested that she move in with them